following message is by a guest speaker of Emmanuel Community Church. More information about the ministry of Emmanuel Community Church can be found online at www.emmanuelcommunity.org. Um, I would like to thank you for having me here. If you want to open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. And I want to talk about uh, Tuba City and the power of encouragement. I'm going to read for us. It says, See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Our Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are our Father who reveals himself to us. That we don't have to guess. That we don't have to play games. But that you're very clear in showing us who you are. And very clear in who you've called us to be. Our prayer today is to be able to hear your voice in whatever way. Not just here during worship, but throughout the day that you would speak to us continually letting your mercy and your grace fill us. Amen. Well, I guess we could start with a question. I'm going to be praying with this the whole time. Uh, if I had to ask you, uh, what would you prefer to receive? Would you prefer to receive encouragement or criticism? Which one do you think you would take? How many of you really love criticism? Okay, at least one person. All right, great. I almost, I almost criticized you, but, <laughs> but I refrained because, you know, you could be scarred, and I'm, I'm usually good at scarring people, and I don't want to do that today. But I think years ago, I think if you had told me, you know what, um, which one I would have liked, I think I might have said I would have preferred criticism because criticism is a way that, that kind of makes someone like to saying, you know, you, you're not doing this well enough. And I think I would have liked to say, well, you know what, I'm going to do it better, and I'm just going to show you. And that's what I would have been like years ago. But I think over time, uh, through ministry and all the other things in life experiences, I've come to a place where criticism really is, like most of you have said, uh, a real drag in the spirit. It, it really takes us down because y- you can do your best, you can try really hard, and then somebody comes along and says, yeah, you know, that was really good, but let me tell you a couple things that you did wrong. And it's so discouraging that I feel sometimes in, in ministry I've gotten to a place where I almost feel like, why even try if even you give your best and yet it's still not good enough? Does anyone have parents like that? And I'm not trying to be funny. I'm just trying to be serious. It's hard to give your best and have someone come alongside of you and sweep your legs right out from underneath you and say, you're not good enough. Now, this passage here is talking actually about encouragement, and and how does that relate to Tuba City? I think about one of the pastors that I met on Sunday night, and uh, sitting down in a meeting with him, and uh, just talking with him, and he began to pour out his story. And the thing about Tuba City, in actuality, in the last 13 years, Harvest has gone there 12. We missed one year uh, for a whole bunch of variety of reasons, but... In developing a relationship with these pastors, I actually had the chance to sit down for all the years that I've known this pastor and listen to his heart. 
And the reason or the buildup to all of that is in the last year, I've been actually contacting these pastors and just asking them, what can we pray for? And I feel like a foundation had been laid and the pastor began to pour out his story. And as he's pouring out his story, he basically said something like this. He said, you know, <coughs> it's really hard to work here. And in the last year, I got fired from my church. And he got fired because what had happened is they had, the denomination had sent someone to kind of observe him because this was a stepping stone for this person before they headed off into missions. And the person observed him, and they got to a place where they reported back to the denomination that this guy does not build leadership. This church is floundering because this guy doesn't know how to build leaders. And so what this guy had done is taken about 18 years of this man's ministry, come alongside of him, and swept his legs out from underneath him where the denomination said, you know what, dude, we're going to relieve you as pastor. See, the problem with what the denomination has done is because they didn't know what ministry is like in Tuba City. Ministry in Tuba City is like this. It's a mess. It's a physically barren wasteland. But even worse, it's a spiritually barren wasteland. And even though there are 13 churches, there are about 10,000 people in that nine-mile square radius, or circular radius, whatever you want to call it. Squares don't have radii, right? Just for all you <laughs> math people are like, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Okay, I, I get this. So circle, circle, right, radius. But there's a lot of people there, and the churches are pitifully small. Because here's what happens, and this is what happens in this pastor's church. He brings people in, and through the power of the gospel, their lives get put back together. And you know what happens when their lives get put back together after he's invested so much time in building them up to become leaders of the church? They leave. They leave Tuba City. They don't leave the church. They leave Tuba City because Tuba City is an absolute barren wasteland. Physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And so for the denomination to fire this pastor who's pouring 18 years of his life in a ministry that's like kind of like college ministry, right? Because if you've done any college ministry, you realize that for four years you build into these kids, you see these students rise up as leaders, senior year comes and boom, they're gone. And you do that over and over again. Well, this pastor went back to the denomination and they did... In, and I, they did, again, rehire him because they said, we didn't realize this. But he needed encouragement. And so I prayed for him on that Sunday. And I was praying, and I, I, I pray like a librarian. Does anyone here pray like a librarian? I know some of you don't pray like librarians. But it's kind of a safe, sort of peaceful, calm, relaxed, so you don't stir anybody up sort of prayer. But I cried when I was praying for this man. I cried, and I don't normally cry when I pray, but I was crying because I felt the brokenness that this man needed encouragement. And his parents, the denomination, instead of coming alongside of him and saying, we are here to walk with you, knowing that you have poured your life into these people, said, you're out of here. Encouragement. We need encouragement. Let's go back to these verses. It says, See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Now, the letter of Hebrews, if I understand it correctly, is written to a Jewish community. And uh, this Jewish community is on the verge of giving up. I don't know why they're giving up, but basically this whole letter is one big letter of encouragement that says, guys, hang in there. But these guys are ready to quit. It could be persecution. 
They could be losing jobs. They could be ending up in prison. They could be losing family members. But whatever it is, they've kind of said, listen, this following Jesus stuff isn't working. It's really difficult. It's really hard for us. So we just want to give up. But the writer of Hebrews is coming alongside of them saying, don't give up. Don't give up. And up to this point in time, up to chapter 3, the writer of Hebrews has said, Christ is much more significant than the old way of living. He is majestic. He's beyond all that. He's beyond the angels. He's even beyond Moses. This Jesus that you follow is very, very worthy of continuing to follow him. So please don't give up. Hang in there. And that's what the whole letter is about. And this chapter, though, the writer of Hebrews takes a little bit of a turn and he says, listen, hang in there, but I want to warn you what happens if you don't. And so he takes this Psalm 95 that David wrote and he looks back and he says, when David wrote this, David was saying to the people of his day, remember our ancestors? Our ancestors, God brought them out of Egypt, crossing over and they get into, they're getting ready to go into the promised land, all these things, they're just about there. And then they just, unbelief after unbelief after unbelief after God has done miracle for miracle for miracle and they still don't believe. And so the writer of Hebrews says, look look back in the old days at our ancestors and realize that our ancestors, because of the deceitfulness of sin, their unwillingness to believe in God after they had seen so much, their unwillingness to actually turn away from God because of the hardness of their heart, led them not to experience the promised land. In other words, they were so close to experiencing the fullness of God, but they did not believe because sin had grabbed a hold of their heart and they kept looking back to Egypt and saying, man, it was better in Egypt. Man, it was better in Egypt. It was that we ate better. We lived better. You were slaves for crying out loud. How can that be better? And yet the people still saw that better than all of the miraculous things that God had done for them. And so the writer of Hebrews says this. He says, look back at our ancestors in the days of the Exodus. And look back at David saying the same thing to the people in his day. Now I'm saying the same thing to you. I want to encourage you to keep following Jesus no matter how difficult it is. Keep following, but know this. If you let sin get a hold of your heart and you stop believing in what God has done, your heart will go hard and you'll turn away from him. You're treading dangerous water. So he says this. He's warning them. But then he says these words in verse 13. He says, but encourage one another daily. See, the need for them is encouragement. And the term that he's using is the same word of the idea of the Holy Spirit, that comforter, that counselor, that person who comes alongside of you and actually walks with you and carries you at times when you need to be carried and is with you and encourages you and keeps saying, keep following Jesus. There is nothing, there is no one who is more worthy And though you may struggle, though you may be in the most difficult of places, keep following him. Encourage one another daily. Encouragement, I would basically say, is this. Doing something, whether it's words or deeds, that helps a person become a better follower of Christ. Now, how many of you would like to be encouraged on a daily basis? 
all of us pretty much, right? I mean, how much? No, please discourage me. Please. I can't take it. I need a rest. You've encouraged me for six days. Please discourage me today. No. We all want to be encouraged. Now, how many, when you read this passage, when it says encourage one another daily, think to yourselves, man, that's just absolutely difficult. How can we do that? I mean, there's so much going on. We don't even live near one another. The unfortunate thing is we have this, don't we? We can even do FaceTime now. Like right now, if I wanted to call my wife while they're in the middle of service and say, hey, honey, man, I'm preaching. What are you doing right now? I'm sleeping because you're not preaching. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. All wonderful preachers at Harvest, even though I'm the best. But (laughs) I'm I'm encouraging myself now, right? (laughs) Is that sin's deceitfulness? I'm not really sure where I'd go on with that one. But the idea here is, is, is the writer of Hebrews says, listen, you're on the verge of giving up. Don't give up. Jesus is worthy. But the only way, not the only way, one of the main ways in which we can continue to follow after Jesus is if the family of God comes together literally on a daily basis and encourages one another to keep following after Jesus. See, we no longer have the excuse that our our community is so far apart because we do have the technology today to be able to even talk to one another. We went to JGen this week. And listening to one of the pastors, and he was talking about how he has about 200 kids in his youth group. And in his youth group, a lot of these kids, they're struggling. And he says every day he sends out 100 text messages. Not a group text message, which would be my plan. But his is, and maybe he does it this way, he cuts and pastes, I don't know. But he sends out 100 text messages to 100 kids in his group. Now that's probably not an exact number, but the idea is this that he is encouraging them daily to get into the word of God and to pray and to keep seeking him because he knows that without that encouragement, it's so easy for sin to deceive us and eventually lead us to a place of unbelief and eventually lead us to a place where our hearts get hardened, leading to a place where we actively turn away from God. He understood that admonition here to say, listen, get alongside one another and encourage one another daily as long as it is called today. In other words, do it. Don't stop. Just do it. Get alongside your brother. Get alongside your sister because the family of God comes together as the family of God when we keep encouraging one another to keep following Jesus no matter what. Now, how many of you have heard of the Netflix original series, 13 Reasons? Okay, and how many of you watched it? Okay, only a few of us. All right, which is fine. It is a very hard uh, 13-episode thing to watch. The basis of the story is this. The basis of the story is Hannah Baker is a high school girl, and what has happened is that you know in the beginning of the story, so I'm not spoiling anything, she actually kills herself by the end of the series. She takes her own life. She takes her own life, and she explains through 13 events, 13 people, how she actually got to this place where she said life is no longer worth living. And I watched the whole 13 episodes, and it was a little rough. Um, there was a lot of swearing, so if you're not really good, I'm not really good with swearing. Um, I don't, I don't it, when, I, when I hear it, it starts happening here. 
I don't say it out loud, but it starts happening in my head. So I was nervous about watching the show. They said it's a graphic in a few places, and it was, but it wasn't as bad as it was. All this to say that ultimately, when you watch this show, the one thing that I was amazed by was that there was not one Christian, not one Christian in that high school. Now, I get it. It's a TV show, and there was some agenda that was trying to be pushed. But I thought to myself, what if, what if there was one person who was a Christian in that high school and came alongside Hannah and actually ministered to her heart? What would have happened? What would have happened? And uh, the protagonist, if you see this when you watch it, the protagonist's name is Clay. And uh, Clay was a really good guy. He was one of the 13 reasons why she took her life. But he was actually a good reason, which I'd have to explain the whole thing to you, but just trust me on this. But there was a moment in this where Hannah wrote a poem. And uh, in writing this poem, one of the people then published it against her wishes. And it destroyed her because people figured out it was kind of her and they mocked her for what she said. And it was just really a a weird poem. But she was talking to Clay, the, the person whom you thought, man, this is the one guy that could do it all. And uh, she saw him reading the poem, and she said to him, what do you think of the poem? And he said, well, I kind of like the poem, but I'm not really sure that I would like to hang around with this person. And, and I know this is a TV show, but I get into TV shows when I watch them, which is why I don't want to watch a lot of them. But when he said that, I wanted to reach into the TV and beat the living daylights out of him. Why? Because the power of words if Clay had been a Christian and said this, I'm not really sure I like this poem, but this person who's hurting, I'd really like to come alongside them. I'd really like to encourage them. I'd really like to be a part of their lives so that I could see that or show them that there's something bigger, there's something grander, there's something worthy that you could actually hold on to and find the love that you are looking for. But he didn't say it. And I was so angry. I mean, I was angry. In fact, in the last episode, and again, as she's cutting herself, it's the only part of the series I couldn't watch. All I could do myself, literally crying and saying, God, don't let Hannah do this. Isn't that powerful? The thought that the words of encouragement that Clay could have spoken or the thought that the words of encouragement that a follower of Jesus, her age, could have come alongside of her and said, I will walk with you. I will help you find the love that you're looking for, the friendship, the family that you're looking for. I will be there because I will encourage you daily. Just as it is called today, I will be there. And could you imagine if the family of God got together and said, listen, whatever's happening in your life, Good or bad, you're in a bad spot, I will be there. I will encourage you daily, as it is called today. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. Not because I'm God, because it's what God would do, and I want to represent God. And so when I saw that show, I thought to myself, man, if only the church of God could do something like that. And then I realized, and I don't remember what the name of the movie was, but does anyone remember that movie from Columbine? What was the name of that movie? Where the... um. The girl was a Christian. Nobody remembers. I don't remember either. No, 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 not that one. It was, it was actually a Christian movie. But the cool thing about it was, and this is the contrast, even though those two guys came in there and shot and killed all those kids, 
there was a Christian in that school. And she came alongside people. And one of the fringe girls, kind of like maybe we think one of the weird girls in the school, actually did eventually give her life to Christ because of what that one girl did. Probably saving her life. So when the writer of Hebrews says, listen guys, I understand this following Jesus stuff is difficult. Amen? Right? It's not easy to follow Jesus. But I want you guys to do this. To encourage one another daily as long as it is called today. So that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. One of the other pastors there in Tuba City, he also struggles with his denomination. The crazy thing is what his denomination does is every week for the whole summer. Imagine this. Summer. All summer long. Church after church after church after church comes. And they do their VBS or they do their everything. Can you imagine the pressure it is to have someone visit your house every week? Think about that. This summer, how many of you had guests over at your house? How many of you didn't? Now imagine every week someone comes over, a whole big old large family, and says, We are here. Entertain us, man. Show us missions. And he's burnt out. He is struggling. He needs someone to come alongside of him rather than saying, do more, get more done, get more results, be something. Wouldn't it be cool if someone like their denomination came alongside and said, just be someone? Keep following Jesus. We want to be with you. We want to serve you. The denominations are failing these pastors and these churches on the res in Tuba City. The call for them is, please, someone, come alongside us and encourage us. I get encouraged every year by going to Tuba City. I got encouraged this year for several reasons. Number one, whether you realize it or not, because no one's ever told you, is that the curriculum that we developed was not from group or some other large Christian organization. These kids did it themselves. They did the curriculum themselves. They did the skits themselves. They did the crafts themselves. Do you know how encouraging it is to see teenagers by themselves without very little help? I mean, I was on medical leave for five weeks. I did nothing to help them, which tells you how much these students actually did in order to bring Jesus to someone else. That's encouraging. You know, Josh, when we first met him, I don't think he said a word until the third year. And now he's up here explaining to you this is what God did to us in Tuba City. So let me ask this question. Which one would you rather hear? Encouragement or criticism? Let's try this. Josh, when you got up here, you slouched a little too much. (laughs) Your shirt wasn't tucked in, brother. It's Sunday, man. Now, I could go on. Now, when you think the next time he's going to come up here, what is he going to do? He's not going to be encouraged. He's going to be living in fear. What else am I going to do wrong today? I just poured out my heart. God used me to bless people. Thank you, Jesus. And now I'm just going to wait for you guys to all, the way I dressed, the way I slouched, the way I this. Criticism? I'm not saying don't admonish, because a part of encouragement is admonishing. Because what is the writer of Hebrews doing? He's admonishing them. He's warning them. Guys, don't give up. 
If you give up and turn away, there's nothing good that comes from that. Our ancestors did not get into the promised land because they hardened their hearts. So be aware. But he's still encouraging them in that because he says, listen, get together and encourage one another on a daily basis as known as it is known as today. That's what the church is supposed to be like. I can imagine among all of us here, some of us are just dying inside. There's something missing. There's something empty. We are in the midst of circumstances that are drowning us. We are on the verge of giving up. We are maybe hanging on by the edge of a piece of floss. And we need someone to come alongside of us who will represent the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the one who comes alongside, and to bring that encouragement that I might continue to follow Jesus. I was going to show you a movie clip, <clears throat> but it's five minutes long. So I'm going to end here, and I'm going to speak to you as our family, because we are a network in our family, and it's this. To apply this message, after all that you've heard, I want to encourage you. I wanted to encourage you to actively encourage each other daily. That doesn't mean that you have to write 100 text messages to everybody here at ICC. But it does mean there are people that you know. There are people who are part of your small group or people who might not even be a part of a small group. To come alongside of them, to listen to their story, to hear their story, to be there for them through their story, to walk with them continually through their story, and be encouragers. And be encouragers. Whatever you say, whatever you do, seek to help others become better followers of Christ. Let's pray. Father, you know our hearts. You know that sin is so easy to love because it promises so much. And many times the fruit of that sin we feel or think because we're deceived, it's all good. And it's not. It destroys. It destroys us. It destroys the relationships around us. It hurts families, it hurts friends, it hurts people. Sin is so deceptive, so we pray, Father. I pray, not only for Emmanuel, but also for Harvest, that as churches, that we will see the reality of sin in our midst, but that we will turn to Jesus. Not only because there is so much forgiveness extended to those who repent, those who turn away from sin and turn to the living God. But because as a family, we do struggle, but we want to walk together closely, intimately with each other, but more importantly, with you. Fill us, fill us with your wisdom to say the right things and do the right things. And when we fail, we pray that there will always be someone there not just you, but one of our brothers or sisters to be there and to pick us up. Let me pray this in Jesus' name.
Amen.